Would you pray with me? Father, we ask that you would give us your Holy Spirit this morning to open your word to us, to speak it to our minds, to plant it in our hearts, and to grow it as faith in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, please be seated. My name is Trevor Spencer. I will be your guest preacher this Sunday. If, you, if you're visiting, you don't get that. Um, we've had a series of guest preachers over the last few weeks as Chris Warner, our rector, has been on sabbatical, and so it's been a while since I have had the honor and the privilege to open God's Word to you, and so I just thought I'd reintroduce myself if you didn't know who I was. Um, I'd like you to turn to your neighbor and tell them this, you are not alone. That was terribly weak. Um, I want you to confidently turn to your neighbor and tell them you are not alone. Now to prove it, now prove it to them by sitting in their lap. Like husbands and wives are like, sure, that sounds great. But if you're sitting next to a stranger, that would be awkward, wouldn't it? Um, Friends, you are not alone. Of course, you are physically right now in a room with other people. You know that. But it's also a biblical, spiritual reality that you are not alone. And it's a theme from the very beginning of Scripture. God in Genesis 1 was in the garden, and he takes human beings. He takes up Adam and Eve, and he places them in the garden to walk with him. God is with them. And even as they sinned and the curse came, God did not leave them. If you remember when Moses and, Je- uh, and Joshua are going into the uh, promised land, they're leading God's people to the promised land, God says to them, I will not forsake you, nor will I leave you. I will never leave you nor forsake you, he says. And then the writer of Hebrews and in the New Testament, will take that same verse and he will say it to every Christian. It's what God says to you today. I will never leave you nor forsake you. You are not alone. And in the days leading up to his death and his resurrection and his ascension, even as he prepares his disciples for his departure, Jesus says this from our gospel reading this morning in verse 18. I will not leave you as orphans, He said it to them, and he says it to you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will not leave you alone in this world to fend for yourselves, to face every challenge in your own weak power. Jesus says, I will not leave you. I will not leave you as orphans. I'm never going to forsake you. Friends, you are not alone. Now, I have found this incredibly good news, an incredible promise in my own life. Because I have experienced deep bouts of loneliness. I experienced it as a single person into my 40s with a hope for a spouse. I've experienced it at the loss of friends as they've entered new phases of life or they've moved for jobs. I've experienced it in grief at the loss of someone close to me. I've experienced it as even as I had people around me lots of people around me. I was lonely. And the promise from Jesus is that I will not leave you, Trevor, as an orphan. I will not leave you alone. That is good news for my heart. And it is good news for our hearts. I suspect that it's a rich promise for you as well. 
because for the risk of sounding like a country song, we've all been lonely. I was a little surprised when I read an article about just how lonely we are as Americans. It was a few months ago, and it basically summarized a lot of research, and here are a couple points that they brought together from a couple of different research studies. Basically, they're saying Americans are experienced to being lonely. The average American has only one close friend. 75% of people are dissatisfied with their friendships, and one out of every four people has no confidant at all. We all know something about loneliness, whether it's empty nests or a broken relationship or everyday isolation that comes from being busy, but God makes you this promise. I will not leave you as an orphan. I will never leave you nor forsake you. You are not alone, and that is great news of the gospel. But it's not just an incredible promise, friends. I want you to hear this this morning, that it is not just a promise that one day you will uh, not be left alone. If you are in Christ, if you put your trust in him, if you have followed, decided to follow him and all the messiness that, that involves, it is not just a future promise, it is a present reality. We see this in the scripture this morning when Jesus tells him, I'm not going to leave you alone. I will not leave you as orphans. And he tells him, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And then you get to Acts 2, and guess what? God, guess what Jesus gives him? The Holy Spirit, right? It's amazing. It's incredible. He fulfills the very thing that he says he will do. And that's what we celebrate this morning. It's Pentecost Sunday, the day we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit. It's also conveniently the day that we talk about the Holy Spirit in our sermon series on the Nicene Creed. We might have planned that. It's the day that we celebrate that we aren't alone, that God has not forsaken us, that he will not and actually has not left us as orphans. Notice the subtle word change, the subtle tense change of, he says, I will not leave you as orphans, and I said, he has not left you as orphans. We celebrate that God's promise is fulfilled when his son gives us his Holy Spirit. And I want to ask this morning, how has he done it? What, is actually, what has he actually given you? How are you not alone? How are you to rely on him? I'll say this, if you're seeking out God this morning, if you're considering following him, if you're not sure that you want to follow him, then these promises are available to you by faith in him. The promise that you will never be by yourself. All of these promises are available to you if you respond in faith. So how are you to rely on him? That's my last question of that list, and it's a really important one. How will you rely on him? And it reminds me of a story there was once an old lady who went in search for riches during the Australian gold rush. And after some time, she remained disappointed in her search, and she settled down in a simple house on a little plot of land, and there she lived for some time. A number of years later, a vein of gold was discovered right beneath her house, and she mined it and became a rich woman. For all that time, she possessed the gold, but was unaware that she was heir to such riches. And it was only later that she came to enjoy what she had had all the time. I tell you the story because most Christians live like this woman. We have the power of God living in us, but we haven't mined it. 
We aren't walking in the fullness of his promises. And it's a reminder that there's always more. Jesus promises to give more of the Holy Spirit when you ask for it. If you're walking in shame, there's more than that. If you're walking in grief, there's more than that. If you're living in fear, there's more than that. If you're walking in joy, let me tell you, there's more than that. If you're walking in power, I have something to say, there's more. If you're on the doorstep of heaven, guess what? There's more. If you're in heaven, you've gained the promise. Let's learn how. So we're going to be looking at John chapter 14. I added a few verses there than our passage, but I'll try to tell you all of them. If you want to look, it's in your scripture insert. The whole chapter is this preparation for the times when Jesus won't be present to his disciples any longer. Imagine they've been with him for three, two or three years. They've been following him. They've learned to, that he is the Messiah. They've come to trust him and follow him. And now he tells them that he's going to go away. Imagine the emotions that you might feel. You might feel a sense of loss, right? Uh, I think that it would be fair to say you might feel anxiety. Uh, some of them might feel vague excitement, even at the future, what's going to happen. You might feel uncertain. I don't know if you've ever felt those emotions. I imagine you have. I have. So what does Jesus say about the Holy Spirit that meets them in that place of emotion? So for memory's sake, I'm giving you some words that begin with the letter P. So Jesus, uh, so you can help you remember what they are. You're welcome to write them down if you like. So Jesus' promise is there in verse 18. I will not leave you if, as orphans. And so this sentence is actually a punctuation on the whole paragraph in which if you look up at verse, six, verse 16, Jesus says this to the obedient and faithful believer, Jesus promises the Holy Spirit. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, Jesus says, to be with you, what's the word there? Forever. I want to dwell on that for a minute. Jesus is making a promise that's not conditional on anything. It's not situational when you do the right thing, or you say the right thing, or your hair's combed in the right way. Jesus promises that if you believe in him, he's going to give you the Holy Spirit, never to be removed from you forever. And so our first word that begins with the letter P is permanent. When God gives you his Holy Spirit through faith, it is a permanent gift. It is all, he is always in you. And if you look down at the bottom of that sheet, it says on a creed, the, bits, the part of the Spirit says this, we believe in the Holy Spirit, and then in the middle, he's the Lord and giver of life. And then it ends this way with the Father and the Son the Spirit is worshiped and glorified. As Christians, we believe that he doesn't just give us the Holy Spirit permanently, but the Holy Spirit has existed permanently. At the beginning of, uh, of creation, the Spirit hovered over the waters. The Spirit is the Spirit of, called the Spirit of life, the Spirit of truth. He leads us into understanding. So the creed holds this together, that he has existed forever. And when God says that he's going to give it, by his son's request to you, he gives you the Spirit permanently. Then he also gives, he is also personal. Just listen to how Jesus describes the Holy Spirit in verse 17. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So it's not like you can leave him at home like your wallet. Jesus is a person, he, he, he. The Holy Spirit is not an it, even though I just had to correct myself 38 seconds ago. 
He is knowable like a person. He's knowable like the person next to you down the row of your seats. You know him, Jesus says. He's been working around the disciples. He's all up in your business. He dwells in you. He's personal. He's knowable and he's present. And you are not alone because he is going to be in you. That is what happens in Acts 2. That the Holy Spirit descends and Peter preaches and uh, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within the believers. You are not alone. So he's permanent, he's personal, but he's also practical. This comes from the verses down below. But what the Holy Spirit does for you is this. He will help you to know and understand God. You may have noticed that I prayed at the beginning of the sermon some version of this prayer. Father, send us your Holy Spirit to open your word to us this morning, to speak it to our mind, to plant it in our hearts, and to grow it as faith in our lives. If you want to understand what Jesus is teaching, if you want to understand what he's doing, if you want to understand how to apply it to your life today, you must call on the Holy Spirit. You must rely on him to teach you what God does, what God says. And in verse 26, it says this, he, the Holy Spirit, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. You want, when you are walking into church on Sunday morning to worship God, when you open your Bible to read it on your own, you can ask for the Holy Spirit to help you understand it. I do that all the time. Sometimes I just ask the Holy Spirit to help me hear it. Help me not just glance over it and get to the bottom of the paragraph and go, what did you say? Sometimes I need to break free. I need the Holy Spirit to help me break free from the things that are on my mind so that I can read his word. So whether you're coming to church or opening your Bible, you're in life group trying to quiet the world, whether you're driving in your car and trying to figure out some conundrum, ask the Holy Spirit to teach you what Jesus has to say to you. Ask him to help you remember and apply the words of Jesus. He is permanent, he is personal, and he is practical. And he is also powerful. This is the one that I think we least expect. We don't expect God to move in power in us today in 2019. We think, oh, let's look back at Acts. Let's see people cast out demons. Let's see people speak in tongues. Let's see miraculous physical things happen. But Jesus does it through the power of the Holy Spirit today. He is powerful. If you just look at the top verse of the gospel, it says there in verse 12, Jesus makes this promise that whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than he than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. Marvel at this for a second. Take, take the disciples in, uh, right before the uh, crucifixion out of the picture. Put yourself in that place. Jesus says this, if you believe in me, you people in 2019 at Holy Cross on Sullivan's Island, you will do all the works that I do. Huh? Greater works you will do than I do because I'm going to the Father. You are meant to do works in Jesus' name. You are meant to walk in power of the Holy Spirit. And as an example of what this looks like, uh, what does it look like? Well, it might be power to face the challenges of faithfulness in the world. You know how hard it is to believe in Jesus in America in 2019? It is enormously difficult. That will be his power working in you as 
in you. It might be power to be obedient and to live holy lives. You know how hard it is to, to, to say no to sin? Of course you do. It's hard. Every day, every minute, every hour. It's hard to do the right thing. God's power working in you. It might be power to do his mission. Just think, Peter, who had denied Jesus just like three weeks earlier, in Acts 2, gets the Holy Spirit, and he stands up in front of all Jerusalem, and he begins to preach, and 3,000 people come to faith. You know how many disciples might have been around at Jesus' time when Jesus is speaking in John 12? 120, 200 maybe at the most? All of a sudden, he, Jesus is God and preached for three years, and he got 200 people. Peter preaches one time, and 3,000 people come to faith. You want to see how greater things are? Look at that. God wants you to use you in mission. He wants to use you for his purpose, and he gives you his power, his spirit, his presence, his, his identity, his living in you. You are not alone. You want to live a life of purpose. You want to live it successfully. And you have to call on the power of God to live within you. And it's not, it's not a hard ask. Jesus wants to give you the Holy Spirit. He wants to give you his power. In fact, guess what? He already has. If you believe in him, the spirit lives in you, just like that vein of gold going under the woman's house. So he is power. The Holy Spirit is power. And finally, the Holy Spirit is peace. Uh, he brings peace. Jesus says this in verse 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. The presence of God, when he is in you, brings peace in your life. Let me get, just point this out. If you are living your Christian life and you are not experiencing peace that's coming from the Spirit, then something is not amiss, is not right. Something is amiss. Doesn't mean that life will be easy. Doesn't mean that it won't be without challenge. It won't be without disappointment and sadness. But there is a miracle that happens. Not situational. You might feel a moment of anxiety. But the fact is, is that as Christians, when the Holy Spirit is driving us and leading us, it brings peace that doesn't make sense. He brings peace when you face mountains to go, oh, my God has this. Or God, would you speak to this? Would you help me face this? Would you help me love this person who is unlovable? The Holy Spirit is God's peace. And it's not just God's peace in our situations. It is the reality that we have peace with him because Jesus atoned for our sin. He forgave our, our iniquities. He cast away are, are, are the death that we deserve on the cross and in the, open gra- in the uh, empty tomb. He's given us peace, and it proves itself by peace in our everyday lives. So he is, uh, he is powerful, and he is peaceful. In the midst of your loneliness or uncertainty, when you're directionless, when you're under pressure, when you're trying to live for him, and the world is against you, he leaves you with his Holy Spirit, and he and you can have peace. So you remember the story of the woman a few minutes ago, right? How she lived over, or you could say she lived with all of this wealth, but never knew it, never possessed it, never used it until much later in life. And the same is true for us in our Christian lives. We can live with the Holy Spirit. We can possess him. We can have him as a 
proven promise of the gospel, but not live from that place. Michael Green, he's an English theologian, he wrote this, for years we may go on in our Christian life with little experience of his gifts and little expectancy of his power, and then through God's goodness we suddenly wake up to what we have been missing, and we claim in reality, we claim in experience that part of our baptismal promise which has gone largely unnoticed or unused. I wonder this morning, do you want to wake up to what you've been missing? Do you want more? Do you want to receive his gifts and expect his power? Do you want to wake up to the richness of the Holy Spirit? Do you want to understand God better and his love for you? Do you want to recognize him personally in your life? Do you want to operate in his power and mission? Do you have a place that you need peace? Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to invite you just to come up here in just a moment. And I just want you to put a hand on each other's shoulders. Don't, if, if that, you know, just, just lightly. We're going to pray that God fills us with the Holy Spirit. Paul writes in Ephesians 5 that we should be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's not a denial that we don't have him. It's just a reality is that he will, um, he will fill us to overflowing when we ask. He will give us more when we need. So I want to invite you just to come up. If, and uh, if, if you are coming up as a Christian, you're just asking for more and you're asking to be filled and you want to see the gifts released. If you're not a Christian, perhaps you're going to come up as an act of faith just to receive the Holy Spirit for the first time. So as uh, the band plays a little bit, why don't you come up and then we're going to pray together. ask that you would send your Holy Spirit. Lord, would you come and fill us to abundance, Lord? Lord, you know what each one of us needs, whether we need to know that you are personally with us, whether we need a forgiveness of our sins, whether we need power to face some challenge, whether we need physical healing, Lord, whether we need power in our ministry, boldness to go to our family, Lord, you have filled us if we believe in you. We stand and we recognize that promise and we ask that you would now uh, give us an abundance of your spirit. Oh, Lord, would you come? Lord, would you help us to understand what you're doing, not just broadly in the Bible, but what you're doing small in our lives, Lord. What you're doing in our marriages and in our sibling relationships and in our work and in our neighborly relationships. God, would you come and reveal what you're doing? Lord, you give us understanding of your word to us. We pray that you would fill us with your knowledge. Help us to know you personally and fully, Lord. I pray that you would release in these men and women your power, the power to trust you and to love you and to rely on you, to minister in your name. I pray that you would give them greater gifts as you tell, as Paul writes in Corinthians, Lord, to desire greater gifts of the Spirit, Lord, that you have spirits to release for your mission and purpose to be used in this place and to be used in the world. Father, I pray now that you give us peace, Lord. I know that there are people in, in this group who are, are hungry for a place of rest, 
And I would ask that you would give them the fruit of your spirit, that you would give them peace. Lord, that they would put their trust in you, find the Holy Spirit given to them, and they would live from a place of peace. Peace that comes from knowing that they aren't alone. Peace that comes despite all our circumstances.